You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Yeah, so, you know, I'm trying to get back to some version of consistency after the break. And, you know, I'm, I'm home and I'm you know, I'm lining up interviews. And, you know, you know me, I don't like to spoil them or jinx them before I actually do the interview. So I'm not going to say who it is. But hopefully by the end, by the weekend, I'll have three new interviews and then I'm booking a bunch of a bunch of stuff for for next week as well so i can kind of backlog some stuff so hopefully i have you know something to rely on in europe when bad wolves goes oh by the way uh bad wolves just announced four uk headline dates in december so after we finish up with volbeat uh because we weren't on the uk portion of that tour we really wanted to get over to the UK while we're over there. So we're playing London, Manchester, Birmingham, and Glasgow. So the tickets go on sale on Friday, battlesnation.com, and uh, check it out. You know, these are our first like real headline shows uh, since the album came out. So it's kind of a, kind of a big deal. Okay, uh, what else is going on? So I, I the last show I put out, I had actually recorded all my intros and outros a week earlier and in, intended to get it out a week earlier. Uh, so it was like me kind of anticipating the God forbid reunion show, but not talking about it. Cause at that point it hadn't happened, even though by the time I released the show it had. So let me tell you about the God forbid reunion show. Uh, I think it went great and very stressful. Uh, you know, as, as you would think when you haven't done a show with a, a band in that long and, you know, we had Nick Hippa, new, you know, new member as, as part of everything. But, you know, Nick was a dream, total pro, the nicest guy and cool, coolest guy to hang hang out with. Like, seriously, like hanging out with, with Nick is like an antidepressant. It's amazing. And me and him like really locked in as guitar players. And that was really incredible. But no, I mean, the, the, the thing I noticed, because I had to, we ended up doing all our base of operations out of uh, Raleigh, North Carolina which was about 90 minutes from where the festival had had taken place. So I got in like a day early. And of course, you know, I think I talked about this on last uh, last week where it was like the van broke down and gear didn't show up. And it, <laughs> it was just, you know, kind of a, a comedy of errors and, and things going going wrong right, right off the, you know, the, right at the front. But luckily, that was pretty much the the worst of our problems. We figured everything out. We had a lot of help. Uh, in Raleigh, shout out to Will Goodyear, uh, X between the bear and me. I think he's playing with, um, which man is he playing? He told me, I forget the name of the band. Anyway, Will Goodyear is the man. Um, but honestly, it was like just getting around all the dudes was just cool. Just hanging out with everyone was just a good vibe. You know, everyone wanted to be there and enjoy each other's company. And that was great. And then, 
know, we rehearsed on, I think it was a, a Wednesday. And I'd say, man, first thing I kind of noticed was like, God damn, man. Like we, we were pretty, pretty locked in pretty, you know, from kind of the word go at rehearsal. So like, the, you know, through like one pass through, through the songs, I'm like, man, we're, this is going to be pretty sick. I kind of almost, you almost forget how, how heavy the songs are, how intense they are and just fun to play. And when you get everyone in that room, man, there's just, there's something special there. And, and Nick was completely locked into that chemistry, you know, cause he, he gets it, you know, he gets the sound and, uh, understands who we are and, and bring, bring his own experience into that. You know, it was just, it was badass. So like each day we rehearsed, you know, so I did, sorry to get a little confusing. So we rehearsed that day. Then we, it was like a late rehearsal because we were, you know, waiting for gear to show up. It was a whole thing. And then we had, we did an early rehearsal a Thursday uh, because Bad Wolves had a show at, at Blue Ridge as well. So we did that rehearsal. And each day we we rehearsed, it got better and tighter. And I was like, and, and you know, we were tweaking our, our tones. I was like, you know, working on, you know, because that was the first time I used the Kemper uh, with the power amp and, you know, just, just dialing that in. And... You know, I was just like, man, I'm like, if we, if we sound this good at the show, we're going to be golden, you know? And <laughs> so, you know, then, then show day comes and it's, it's raining and we're like, oh man, it's going to be, going to be a rough, rough day. We get there and they don't have a dressing room for us. They don't have our rider. We're just like, like, dude, we're getting like, I'm like, are we like, a quote unquote headliner on the stage or something like that. And just, just getting no, no respect <laughs> at Blue Ridge. Uh, but eventually we, we, we get a dressing room. Um, you know, we get some rider stuff and, and, you know, we're setting up, you know, and it's, it's tough cause I, it's hard for me because I'm that guy where I'm very competitive. You know, I want to have the best show and I want to kick ass. And so I actually like purposely tried not to watch too many bands before we played because I don't want to like compare our show to their show. I just wanted to like focus on what we were doing. And and if you were just like basing on how big bands are, like in the totality of their career, like there's no way we should have been playing in the slot. So like our stage before us, it was Butcher Babies, actually almost Crowbar, Butcher Babies, Chelsea Grin, Mushroom Head, and Queensryche all played before us fucking Queensryche you kidding me uh and then after us was Guar and Tenacious D um and you know be straight up like the other bands there had bigger crowds than us but almost like I would expect that to be the case based on how you know big some of those bands are dude Mushroom Head Mushroom Head's fucking popular yo don't be, don't be sleeping on the head they were they, they crushed it people were loving them um and <laughs> but also when we played this festival just had like a lot of stages so at the same time we were playing it was motionless and white who's like blowing all kinds of up right now they're just huge acacia strain who's a very very popular band and they're right you know coming from more our scene and then i think what uh when another band was ending then thrice started playing <laughs> so we we had we had a lot of competition um but like when we when we started playing it uh 
you know, they do the crowd was just chanting the name. And I said it wasn't the biggest crowd, but they were just God forbid fucking hype probably two times before we, we played. And then, you know, we get out there and the, the sound, like for me, it was like I could hear my guitar and it sounded sick. And for the drums, I could really hear the kick drums, but really nothing else. And, you know, I couldn't hear Nick. I couldn't hear the snare drum. But so it wasn't like I don't feel like I played like my tightest show because I I couldn't really hear as well as I would have liked to. But it was good enough to really feel the intensity. And it was intense, man. It was just, a you know, it's interesting playing those songs in a live setting because you just react differently to it. You Your body moves differently the way I, I don't know. There's just something there that's special, you know, and, uh, and it was just a lot of fun. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then like, what was, was kind of cool as we were playing was it was like raining and we had our backdrop from constitution of treason and, you know, it started getting dark while we're playing. So all of a sudden the lights start happening and there's actually a cool vibe. And as we play, like more and more people start coming. So by the end of the set, it was actually like pretty filled out. Um, and it was, and then, this was kind of like our fault, but also the festival's fault where, oh, I forgot, oh, yeah, Power Man 5000 also played on that stage before us. A lot of bands with like platinum records <laughs> played before us. Um, but anyway, the show was running late, like the stage was running late, and I think our set was a little longer than our 45, so they cut us off, and so we didn't get to play End of the World, which was a bit of a bummer, but people were people were pumped up, you know, and I, and I think it was a, a good feeling. So I was just... You know, for me, it's like that thing of uh, being relieved that you pulled it off and everything worked out. Um, we captured the show. Uh, we brought in this guy, uh, Hector Gallardo, to film it. And we're by the time this comes out, there'll be a little like mini um, preview thing. It's like kind of half of it is like interview footage and rehearsal footage and stuff from the show, but, you know, eventually I think we're going to put out the kind of mini documentary talking about the whole reunion and then put the whole show out at some point. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's not too sloppy because <laughs> we were rocking out, you know, and, and, and having fun, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, you know, certain things like, oh, I wish I would have played that tighter. Like I can tell I'm kind of rushing in spots, especially some of my leads and always like bums me out or my vibrato is not exactly what I, I want it to be. Uh, but it's always tough when you're just doing one show because on a tour you can tweak and and get get better at stuff and maybe halfway through the tour you kind of hit hit the ground running. But yeah, it was it was it was really great, man. So I, I appreciate everyone who who checked us out that day. And there's, there's talks about doing some more stuff and kind of as that happens, I'll uh, I'll let you guys know and hopefully you know because I really want to do something around our our home area, but it's tough with guys with jobs and kids and can't just book it and also with bad wolf's schedule which is very busy we, we have we're going to be gone for two months in europe with volby so but anyway just wanted to give you guys that that little update um i've been home now for about 10 days and i've kind of got that like post-tour blues a little bit where you're like trying to find your footing and um you know uh your routine, like it, 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 it takes a minute. And I think just that net, you get that natural high every day of, of playing a show and you, you'll get that at home. And I think you just get a little, I don't know, you get, it's like having the Mondays every day and it takes me a little bit to, to figure it out, but getting through baby, 
got, got a lot of work to do, but I'm always disappointed when I feel like I'm not being as productive as I want to be. That's a theme for me. I know something to work on, but I'm going to get there. Oh, by the way, there are new Doc Coil custom guitar picks up on the my website, DocCoil.net. Uh, volume 2, the, the, the custom Dunlop pick pack. Get them before they're gone. I, I put them up today and I, about a third of the stock is already gone. So I think these things are going to go fast. All right. Without further ado, we have uh, three guests today and they are the hosts of the 2020 podcast as well as members of the band Lost Symphony. Uh, it's Benny Goodman, Siobhan Cronin, who also plays um, violin in Starset and Corey Peza. So enjoy this conversation. I think you guys will like it. Thank you guys so much for 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 being on the X-Men. You know, we have let's go let's go let's go through this is so many people. I think this no, I've I've had this many people on the show uh two two other times on my symposium shows. Okay. But, we have Benny Goodman, Siobhan Cronin, and Corey Peza. Boom. They are Lost Symphony, as well as, is it 2020 podcast or you've been 2020 podcast? It's just the 2020 podcast. 2020 podcast. All right. Yeah, which we, we kind of, we made it a verb. So we were, that was our whole thing. You got 2020, but we so what, really got 2020. So what happens when... It's no longer 2020. Is now? Is it just like the decade itself is kind of being 2020? Well, here's the thing: well, 2020 is also hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. So we're taking a look back at the lives okay. and careers of our guests. You know, yeah, we have to constantly rethink how to make it continually relevant. Of course, because yeah, so, 2020 happened yeah. and went by, and then we're like, all right, how are we going to continue to make this about you know 2020 hindsight and you know. Well, we basically failed to launch because you know, remember the the year 2020? Remember that? So nope. 2020 essentially, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Essentially means you got 2020, you got screwed. You got totally, like we made our podcast because uh, of that year. Like we're like, my mom's like, can you DJ from your basement? Like podcast mom, streaming, can I do that? So we got 2020 into doing it. And then we realized that nobody got that joke. We tried, we tried like sharing it and marketing it and that we're terrible at that. So then Corey being smart, being like, we can't get a new URL. We can't rebrand this let's just make it mean something way smarter than that and here we are now you, you got to do like all the uh fast food chains where like it'll be you know kentucky fried chicken and then it's just kfc dunkin donuts now it's just dunkin now it's just, you just 20 you know what yeah. I'm not, not kanye <laughs> yeah yay. It'll i like that i like that <laughs> what yeah what what's your 20 that's good we're, we're gonna steal that there we Boom. go all right marketing <laughs> One hundred and one dot coil. All right, you learned it. You learned. You've learned it here. Here first. But no, I'm actually interested. Uh, just to kind of introduce uh, the genesis of not only the podcast that you guys put together, but also the band that you formed, uh, uh, Lost Symphony. And <clears throat> I was lo- looking at this, and it was seemed like all the music started coming out in 2020. But then I was reading the bio. It said you kind of started doing the stuff several years before that. So is it, is it just kind of a coincidence that the band stuff kind of started to come out at the same time as the podcast or did the band lead into the podcast? Please give me some insight on that. I think Corey and I were like Nostradamus in that we had a COVID band before COVID existed. We had a band that nobody knows each other. 
we just send tracks to like all the all those things you, all the people in the music industry had to do we were just doing that anyway before and really the, the way it started was you know I, I always wanted to make music that was in my head because not only have i had to produce a lot of music that wasn't my thing i've dj'd for years so i i'm constantly playing music that like oh the song sucks i'm like i know everything i'm playing tonight is gonna suck uh that's my job is to play sucky music so i wanted to make not sucky music and i know that you're with me on this i love film soundtracks so for example you got john carpenter on your wall to, uh, on, your, on your wall on your arm today so i know that you're with me on this i always I can't i'm wearing my evil dead shirt uh you know i always love soundtracks and one of the cool things about soundtracks and especially about me being in the band is i don't talk which my voice is really obnoxious. So on the music, there's no singing. It's 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 basically everything I loved about like Iron Maiden and Trans Siberian Orchestra and Chopin <laughs> and uh, you know all the soundtracks to all the movies that you and I grew up listening to, but with just crazy guitar playing over it. And that was yeah. kind of our idea. But Marty Friedman's not going to come to my studio. Nuno doesn't even want to talk to me. He barely texts me back. He's just like no. <laughs> so like. The best I could hope for was to send these guys stuff and say, please just play on our song. And uh, it kind of happened. But yeah, it you been embodied happening. the spirit of 2020 before the show. You were 2020-ing all of us even before 2020 into being in your band. Tell them how I met you. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually a good story. So um, so I met Ben because I had just joined Starset. I think this was 2017. And I was playing a rock festival in Fort Myers. And I'm in, you know, those uh, trailers that they set up for the dressing rooms. And I'm in there like warming up, playing some like classical stuff. And in walks this guy that I've never seen before with like long hair with a guitar. He's like, oh, is that like Vivaldi? Is that Paganini? And I'm like, yeah, wait, that's the first time that's happened to me at a rock festival. Like nobody cares about me practicing. So, you know, I start talking to this guy and then I find out it's Ollie from All That Remains. And, you know, we started hitting it off as friends, you know, uh, started talking more about music. And he's like, oh, I got to connect you with this guy, Ben, that I'm working on this project with him. So lo and behold, a couple of months later, I'm flying out to see Ben, who I've never met before. And I walked in kind of a lot of the music sort of existed in concept and some tracks. But, you know, it had been in the works for, I think, a few years. Right. Ben? Yeah, that's like, yeah, kind of to your point, Doc, is that the, these songs started uh, long before there was ever really a thought of it being. A project it was yeah. more I, I remember ben kind of we were working on other projects like hey i got to show you this thing my brother and i did and i'm like well that's ridiculous no one's ever going to want to listen to that but it's awesome i like it um <laughs> so we we, all, we were kind of playing around with those tunes for the longest time you know I, I would lay down some bass and we'd send it around so we got we got um jason costa from all the remains actually played uh drums on one of the tracks and then we you, you know we found our our guitar jedi um which ben can can talk about kelly up in canada well, that so that's kind of the thing. So we we made the most non-marketable band in the history of time. It is instrumental. Like some of it is shred metal. I wouldn't say that the new stuff we're doing is shred metal, but like it's got some cacophony, Marty Friedman, Jason Becker vibes to it. And, you know, a little bit of dream theater and a ton of like classical music, like straight up classical, not like we instilled classical in it. It's got classical stuff in it. And literally nobody other than like one guy in Japan cares about this kind of music uh but we said we were going to make it and then uh i convinced jason costa from all that remains and when i say convinced i mean i had to go down and drink with this dude which if you've ever met that's, jason costa that's the way to do it yeah <laughs> way he, to his he, heart he, he, he <laughs> will drink liver. until he, yeah. until you die um and uh 
I basically, after I got like hyper drunk, I was like, dude, you gotta come out to my car and hear this song and you just gotta play on it. He's like, I don't play on people's music, Benny. I barely play on my own band's music. I'm like, come on, <laughs> dude. And finally he's like, all right, well, I'll do this experiment. I I'm not really allowed to drink too much on stage. So if I could come to your studio and then drink a whole bottle of Crown, which you're gonna buy, uh, I wanna see how drunk I could get and then still play. I'm like, deal. And that's how Leave Well Enough Alone um, came about from Lost Symphony. And when he played that song for Ollie, who I, I have to admit, like after Pantera uh, left us, you know, I, I didn't really listen to music. So I, I didn't know how awesome Ollie was. I just got a call from Jason going, hey man, my guitarist in my band thinks that you guys are awesome because we had this other guy named Kelly, Kelly Carolock, this crazy Jedi insane. Like, he's the most, in one of the most insane guitars I've ever seen. He's the guy that like, Bumblefoot might get tripped up playing against. I don't know. Ron's also superhuman, but he's on that crazy level. So I convinced that dude, because I found him on the internet, will you play with me? And when Ollie heard him, he was like, I want in on that. And from there, uh, there on, Ollie kind of gave us credibility because yeah. people care about Ollie. I mean, nobody cared about me in my basement with Corey, but. <laughs> Apparently, this Ollie dude that looked like a wizard who loved burritos and hanging out and playing Dungeons and Dragons at two o'clock in the morning, stoned, uh, while we listened to Testament. Uh, you know, like that dude, like make he loved what I was doing and was like, dude, we could do more. We could we could call Bumblefoot. Maybe we could get David Elson. Uh, maybe maybe we could get uh, this Angel Vivaldi dude. You might know. And next next thing we know. Ollie's making calls for us. And then that's how he met Siobhan. Siobhan called me while I was DJing a wedding. And I was like, yeah, the, I, I, I need strings. I need an orchestra. You, you can fly to Boston. It's going to be great. And she literally flew across the country and I could have been a psycho axe murderer. You know, she just showed up like, yeah, is this where back, the, the most recordings are? <laughs> Yeah. But to answer your question, though, yeah, I mean, this would have been what, 2017, 2016, maybe it started. 16, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it long preceded the the podcast. And, you know, I think that the concept of what the music was going to turn into kind of evolved over the time of us getting to know each other as well, you know, because I walked into sort of a certain situation and a certain aesthetic that the music was already established. And it, it kind of like transformed as we began to know each other and work together and new people came in. So I think it really took probably until 2020 to for that to coalesce yeah. into a thing, you know, where it was like, all right, it's time to release this. And so the releases really were several years in the making, you know, and developing over time and adding layers and, you know, collaborating with other people. So were you, uh, Siobhan, were you the only one who was in a touring band? I guess at the time, um, Ollie was was touring and, and doing stuff like that. But were you the only one kind of doing that? And the other guys are kind of at home holding it down? Or? Yeah, I think of the core band. I mean, it was really Ben and Brian, his brother, and then Corey and Kelly. Um, she and... was the only real musician. In, in <laughs> yeah, we're all fake musicians. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, there was Ollie, but of course, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there were these big, like, symphonic tracks, and then there would be kind of guest solos. It was sort of the yeah. original concept, right? So but the people that were playing on it were in touring bands, you know, so Angel Vivaldi, we've had Alex Skolnick. Like, well, all... we, we duped all those people. What he's saying is, w was anyone important before you even came in the room besides Ollie? And the answer is no, uh, we were nobodies. And uh, Ollie just kind of like my, my geekiness. Yeah, we are still nobodies, but we're, we're we moved from, yeah, we're still nobody. But Ollie came in and he loved it. And he pretty much was like, yeah, these guys are great. But because Ollie was so good 
and because Kelly is so good, and because Jason Costa, when he laid down drums, again, I, so good to me. And then Siobhan came down and put down, I mean, she's an incredible violinist. I mean, honestly, show me the greatest guitarist and I'll still be like, but there's violin. Like, that's how I feel about her playing in particular. So when people heard these tracks, it was not just me. It was Ollie, Kelly, Siobhan, like Jason, these incredible players. So when we sent to, you know, Bumblefoot was the first guy that I, I was just like, holy crap, I can't believe he's messaging me. That uh, he sent me a message, I think it was on my birthday, and just goes, This music is beautiful. That's all he wrote when he first heard the, what all he sent. And it, it melted my heart. But well, I couldn't believe that guy would be listening to us. Well, I think it's right up his alley. You know, if you've listened to a lot of the kind of more proggy stuff he's oh. done, and when I listen to you guys' stuff, it just kind of feels of, you know, a dream theater or a Symphony X just without the vocals. You know, when I hear it, it just sounds like prog metal, you know, which generally tends to be uh, ambitious and be pulling from these, uh, you know, classical and kind of uh, composed influences, you know. So that's that's what I hear when I hear it. And I, But I was, you kind of guys answered one of my questions was like, well, how the hell did you get all these big name people? And, and it seems like you, you know, Ali did a lot of the heavy lifting. And it yeah. all it all worked out, but that's super important, especially when you're launching something new. You know, just having that credibility, having kind of a bigger name, then people are going to pay attention and, and take you seriously. Yeah, well, no, it's interesting. No, go ahead, Ben. Well, I was gonna, I'll, I'll let you go, but I, I was just going to say that Ollie started the fire, but where he started the fire, we're kind of like, yeah, call Bumblefoot because he gave me something to work with. I ran with this, so I, I think as much as I'm proud of the music. I am proud the fact that like, I mean, I literally asked Nuno Betancourt for half a decade to play with me. Half a decade. I think the guy's yeah, ridiculous. To, to play with me. Yeah. So how do, you, yeah, how, but, do you, how do you know Nuno? Well, I know everybody in Extreme other than Nuno Oh, okay. I, at the time. So Paul Geary, um, who now manages, he's a manager now, but the original drummer for Extreme, I've been friends with him for, God, like 10, 12, I mean, I've known him a lot longer than he's known of my existence, but um, he, he, uh, you know, he's, he's a amazing manager. He manages Johnny Depp and Joe Perry. And, uh, you know, I asked him a, a million times, like, Hey, do you think Nuno would do this? And he, and he was always like, no, but no, bud. No, I don't, I don't think he's going to do it. Don't bother. And then I'd be like, but do you think Nuno would do it? And then, and finally he's like, I'll, I'll send it to him. And then Nuno, I think two or three times, like, this isn't my, my bag. I don't, I think Ingve was probably the last guitarist that did this kind of thing I like. He just said all these, like, no, I'm not into it. And finally, finally, after I think we went, we, we sent him a song. He sent us something back. I think Corey and I insulted him inadvertently. And he was like, fine, whatever. We come back with another song. And we say, you know what? What have we got? He's, I know exactly what it was. He sent me a fuck you email, um, a text message. He sends very awesome fuck you text messages. Very long, all in capitals. And um, I'm like, why are you yelling at me? And he said, well, not everybody has like the bombast of Marty Friedman, something to that extent. And I said, oh, I got him. We'll get Marty Friedman. So I got Marty Friedman and I went back to Nino. I said, do you want to play with him? And then they both played like they didn't know who that guy was. Like Marty was like, oh, is that the guy? Like the more than words guy. And then uh, Nuno was like, I've heard he's good, but I just don't know his work. And I, I couldn't believe both I'm like, okay, lied, well, I'm just lied, lied to your face. <laughs> you know what that is, though? That's 
that's like that badassery like when you're that good where like you know they ask like arnold about you know uh sylvester stallone you know like 1985 they're like so what do you think about this sylvester stallone guy he's like who yeah <laughs> i'm the yeah. terminator you know that's that, when you're that badass you're just like did you, know, you, did you see that Michael Jackson thing where it's like Mike Tyson tries to go and meet him and goes backstage and Mike Tyson goes up to him and, and he's talking to him. They're smiling. He goes, who are you again? Oh. It's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot of wrangling personalities. And what I was going to say is, you know, it, it's interesting that Ollie was kind of what kicked it off. But of course, he passed away not long after that. So I have to give Ben a lot of credit. It, it's, it was yeah. a lot of like relentless wrangling yeah. and like i was gonna say ben's shameless begging is actually what got most of the bigger names on this record uh he has no no problem just absolutely harassing the hell out of people until they give in so. <laughs> well but the music's cool too it's not like you're sending them some like you know backwoods <laughs> demo or something like it is very cool very high-end um stuff you know so like something that, that that i think as a musician or a guitar player who's of that ilk you they can really kind of sink their teeth into as well so it's not like you're sending them trash yeah so. <laughs> yeah that's true but it transformed over time too i mean even me stepping into it you know i was a classical violinist just getting kind of into the rock world touring a lot and so the idea of orchestrating or like going into a studio and someone being like okay just do this and not having sheet music you know like it it was a totally different era in my life too you know so a lot of those the, the skill that i built in doing it over that time was you know, pretty remarkable to look back on, you know, so it was, it was interesting. We were kind of die, at least in my perspective, diving in and figuring it out as we go in a lot of ways. So yeah. how does this all factor into having a band or, or like, like I said, the, a pandemic band before the pandemic, and then all of a sudden deciding, Hey, let's, let's start a podcast kind of a uh, faction around this idea of separation and losing all of our opportunities and our i don't know just you know the the, the laundry list of, of of things that kind of i think you know the adversity we had to deal with through, through that time what what was the initial like inspiration to start the podcast well i know that we, we were having some meetings um around the time of the releases and one of the biggest issues we had since we don't have lyrics and of you know a voice is that how are people going to kind of get to know what the music's about and who we are as musicians. Um, so that's when the podcast idea first started getting bumped around. That may even have been a little prior to like the lockdown and everything. And obviously when the lockdown came about, uh, you know, Siobhan was in, well, you were in Russia, weren't you or something yeah. on tour with star set. So she's, yeah. she's coming home, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, obviously I, I mean, I'm a gigging musician. Um, you know, you're in the wedding band. I'm in just an A wedding band. So uh, all my gigs were were gone. Uh, you know, a lot ben, of money. Ben, I know wedding band music is making a lot of money, player. So I thought you're doing yeah, all right. Hey, I'm not not complaining. Not complaining. Um, but the uh, Ben was in a similar situation with DJing and stuff. So we're all finding ourselves, like everyone in in the industry, twiddling our thumbs, going, "What the hell do we do now? We've got all this music that we've been putting together over the years that we're that we're now." releasing and, and packaging and putting all this stuff out and all the content around it but we still needed something to do to kind of have that creative outlet and that's when i think the podcast really we have all these friends that are on the record and all these amazing musicians like hey why don't we talk to them and ask them about playing on this stuff and, and get to well, know them a bit we got to give credit a little bit to there we worked with this guy he's an industry legend this uh, dan beck yeah, yeah who uh was responsible for like a lot of michael jackson stuff in the 80s he uh signed gloria stefan he worked with like pearl jam like just a he's a industry legend and he was like okay 
So what skills do we have? We 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 realize that Betty Betty's good at getting people. Maybe if you're a podcast, you get. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm like, will you come on our podcast, Dan Beck? Which is one of our first podcasts. And if you go watch Dan Beck, this guy is literally an oracle of musical knowledge, and uh, it's literally it was on the ground level of the music industry. But he he pretty much was like, Benny, you should just leverage that skill. And if you go watch 2020, uh, our our podcast you'll see that we have way higher caliber guests, yourself included, Doc, than um, we, we really have people listen. Like, it's usually just my mom and uh, members of Lost Symphony. Like we said, this has kind of been our, our team yeah. building meeting. Yeah, just, just like we tricked people to be on the records for Lost Symphony, we've tricked them to come on the podcast. And uh, it's just, it's a Ponzi Incredible. scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme that's going to come to, you know, it's going to blow up in our face at some point, but... But it's, I even it's, got a band out of it. Shannon Larkin hired me after the podcast. Yeah. Godsmack. To what for what uh what project? He's he has a band, our band now, uh, Apocalypse Blues Revival, um, which he has other iterations of it out. But this iteration, I don't know if you remember the '80s metal band Wrathchild. Yeah, that's the uh, band he, he started the thrash metal band. He started with yeah, the Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul like went and learned from. Um, the original guitarist Terry Carter is now in this band with him, and he basically listened to Lost Symphony and was like hey benny is that you playing keyboards i'm like yeah because i i think you should be in my band and it was literally that simple and we corey myself and javon were all in florida recording it a month ago with him and that it's pretty awesome i think yeah he's made i did a tour with him in 2001 he was still playing with the band amen and mm. oh yeah uh, yep dude un unbelievable great guy and mm -hmm. as legendary as a drummer as you would you would imagine yeah. So I got to get him on my show at some point. Shannon. I'll get him on your show. I'll get Shannon. In he fact, you know, literally. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. No, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't have anything to say. I was just saying he's literally a trip. <laughs> well, one, I, I screwed up because we had David Abruzzese, um from Pearl Jam and Shannon on the show. And I was going to have like a drum circle on 2020. Again, an example of us being way over our head, like, David, you know, tells us everything about what happened with Pearl Jam. So if you care about Pearl Jam, go back and watch his, like those episodes. But Love we had Pearl them Jam. on and I, yeah. And I thought that, you know, it would be like a solid for Shannon to meet David, thinking that, you know, David with Pearl Jam came before. Meanwhile, David, the first thing he says to, to Shannon is, I saw you like 1986 with a Bowen constrictor <laughs> and some club in Dallas and uh, with Wrathchild America. And like, <laughs> you knew the single that was out. And he's like, you're fucking amazing. And I, I didn't know because I, I even was was jamming with Shannon. I said, that sounded like, like a Vinnie Paul kind of thing. And he goes, Vinnie Paul, Vincent. Like, let me tell you something. Uh, wh he, when I was playing with this cover band called Pantera that played Van Halen, I played Ace of Spades by this band called Motorhead. And, Vi and Vincent came up to me and said, what were you doing with your feet? So uh, maybe it's the other way around. And I'm like, oh, my God, this dude just checked me. So like I have learned that this dude is a legend, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm rude. Now you know. Now you know. So uh, one of the thing about things about starting a podcast during the pandemic or 2020 was that a lot of people did it right. This was a a, a period of time where we were all at home, looking for things to do, and a million podcasts uh, got started, but. Predictably, not all of them lasted. So do you guys have kind of a long-term plan? Is it kind of like, let's keep it going as long as we can, or you just enjoy it so much? What's like the, what's the vibe for the future? 
it's it's our LinkedIn, man. That's <laughs> we're gonna keep doing it as long as these. We have the coolest people on the show, man. Like, yeah, we we've never had a chance to talk to these people if we just call them up. But uh, you know, we've been fortunate that uh, the people come on. We our show is we kind of dive a little deeper. We do two parts, so we do like you know the yeah. get to know you part in hour one, and then we dive a little deeper in, in hour two. And we've found that that some people don't want to hang for two hours, but a lot of them do. And when they do they kind of feel a little more open and it feels more like a conversation, less like an interview. And we often have our guests tell us afterwards, like, well, I can't believe that 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 went by so fast. And, you know, that was so much fun. I can't wait to come back. And I think that for us, it's the enjoyment of the conversation and the, and the nuggets we get that you don't hear in every other interview that keeps us wanting to do it. Cause you know, a podcast is a lot of work and it takes time and there's all this stuff. And, you know, at some point maybe we'll, I don't know. We, we we don't talk about the future. We talk about crap. We need a guest next week. You know, that's kind of yeah. our, our our way of working. But um, it's been really rewarding so far. So we don't have any plan to stop. We're trying to grow it at this point and, and figure out what we can do with this outlet we have. Yeah, for me, it feels like it, it took a good year or like, you know, at least, you know, 20, 30, 40 episodes, let's say, to get comfortable with the rhythm and figuring out how it works, figuring out the technology, you know, maybe some people start and then they they cut it too soon. You know, I feel like it really takes a while to get the rhythm of your show and, and your sure. personalities established. And just, if you're not used to doing it, just the comfort of doing it and talking to people that you don't know, um, which isn't for everybody, but, uh, yeah, I mean, through build, it take, takes a while to build the network of relationships and having that lead to other people. So, you know, every new person we talk to, it leads to some other interesting person we want to talk to. So there's kind of no shortage of that umbrella that keeps extending, you know, out into the music industry and beyond. So, yeah, for me, it's fascinating. I, I, I'd i love to do it as long as we possibly can. Yeah, Has I mean, it been I'm, amenable to your touring schedule? Because for me, I was so busy on the last Bad Wolves tour that I basically took a month off from the show. But that, that's for a lot of reasons. Like we were recording a, uh, we were recording on our days off, shooting music videos, and I had the God Forbid reunion. So I was just, any free time I had was working time. So that t- days I'd usually be working on the podcast on my days off. I really couldn't couldn't do it. How, have you found a kind of balance to figure out how to still uh, do it while you're on the road? Yeah, I mean, ideally, in a perfect situation, we plan ahead for that and we try and stock up on some episodes, especially it being pre-recorded, and not live. We can do yeah. that. Um, but, you know, and it also helps that there's three of us. I can imagine it being you and you're kind of the leader doing finding the people running the show, yeah. having to, I do you know, everything. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> you're doing the work that we're dividing between three people. So but there there have been some interesting situations where we're like, we need to do a podcast this week. And I'm like on a bus that's rattling and we're like pulling away and losing connection and. You know, there there have been some unideal circumstances. Yeah. Um, I will say, Siobhan, you, you've made probably the most sacrifices to make sure that this show stays on the tracks because she yeah, she'll be anywhere in the world. And we're just like, hey, like we need a show this week. Like we're talking to someone like she'll be like running into like some closet in like a venue, like putting headphones on. And, and she's you know, she does a great job. And, and she's at the same time contacting people to like come on the show so ben and i for the most part yeah we're busy but we're not like siobhan busy traveling around the world so so we can't really for us i'd say that we have a much easier job in terms of that but uh you know siobhan's been incredible kind of not only lending us her credibility as an actual real musician but also uh making time in her schedule which is 10 times crazier than anything that ben and i are dealing with well also the quality of guests because like we'll be like hey siobhan like what what are we thinking for guests? And she'll be like, oh, I could just, I don't know. I could talk to the guys from Breaking Benjamin. And I'm like, 
the band that just sold out the Mohegan Sun the other week. And like, we'll talk to Keith Wallet, who's freaking amazing. And I, like, I've never met this guy. I barely know anything about Breaking Benjamin. And then I go down to my studio, sign on, and then I get to talk to this. Um, Keith is amazing, dude. Amazing guitar. But like, I feel like I'm being schooled. But and that everybody watching, and I'm sure there's lots of people that uh, that do watch, and they're like, "How is this guy so pleasantly naive?" But it's like Siobhan will have these super highbrow guests that she's friends with, and Corey and I are just like, for example, she we had Cody Ash, who's the the drummer for Jelly Roll. Are you aware of who Jelly Roll is, Doc? Yeah, we just played with him twice. Like did two two festivals the same day, back to back, like a week apart. Got to meet him. Super cool guy. And yeah. I met, and then I met a few members of the band. They were super super nice as well. But they're amazing. Like that dude is blowing they're up. Yeah, I couldn't they're, believe it. Yeah, when they're, I first they're a group it. of animals too. Yeah. They're he's like the animals. new Kid Rock to me. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. see that. Well, yeah. so we're sitting up. So we're sitting on the bus with Cody, the drummer, who's amazing. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I think we're gonna play some small theaters. Like maybe we'll play some bigger stuff." And Corey and I are looking around. Now we're at the Worcester Palladium. And I've been going to that venue since I was three. And I've never, I mean, I literally, other than maybe back in like the 90s when like Korn or Zomb, like Rob Zombie or something was playing there, or Rammstein, I think they played there and they got around, like it was a crazy, Rammstein was a crazy show. But other than that, I have never seen it this crazy. By like four o'clock in the afternoon, there was a line all around Worcester for this dude. And I'm, I'm looking at Corey and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And meanwhile, Corey and I had sent an email like, who's the Jelly Roll? Like, is it Jelly Roll a band? <laughs> meanwhile, like, this guy apparently, where we found out like Pete Davidson, you know, the guy that was dating Kim Kardashian, was like, I really love Jelly Roll, and like FaceTimed him and like flew into the show to go see him. Meanwhile, we're sitting on this other bus. We go into the venue, like, I've never, dudes pouring Cavassier and other guy like, in people's mouths, like blunts going around, like, it, it was like a Cypress Hill show times seven. And we found this out, like on a Monday, we interviewed Cody and on Wednesday, we're smoking like blunts and drinking Cavassier on the side of the stage, packed. But, and I'm like, I guess I'm just the old guy that's out of touch and just don't know. <laughs> Jelly roll. Yeah. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas. And we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs> One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. 
Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. I don't even know how we got here. So, but, but the point being, we would never have known about that had Siobhan not played a yes. show with Cody earlier. Never. Got him on the show. So that's, what's, that's what my favorite part is. We're meeting these people, um, you know... It, it's, it's so good. Ben, yeah, Ben and I are, are you know, the, the fake musicians. We just live in our basement studios. We don't get to tour around and meet these people. So we bring them on the show. And then I feel like we're hanging out with everyone in the industry and uh, getting to steal all their knowledge and uh, experience. So no, no, you been... listen, you are real musicians. <laughs> the difference between us and you guys is you're just a little more sane. All right. It takes yeah. a crazy person <laughs> to go out and just live like a pirate and be away and just and actually be happy out there. Like you have to be a little like you're like, no, nah, I don't need a bed. You know, I'll just <laughs> live on this little like take a like a twin bed, right? And then cut it in half. <laughs> like, and turn it I, into a coffin. Yeah, yeah. I sleep in a coffin, you know, comfortable coffin, you know, and better than a van. But you know, I oh. listen. We're, we're we're crazy, all right. We're the ones well, that, miss, miss that is my it. secret. My secret is that I'm waiting for one of the guests to be like, oh crap, our our guitarist or bassist uh just broke their toe and they we need someone to come out tomorrow and then i can leave my basement well, so you, want to, you just want to go do the same thing not be home make less money i see what you want to do oh yeah they, yeah. they don't pay you like the weddings <laughs> weddings on Dude, that's why DJing the greatest. listen i have like a uh, an actual pin of like valor from from the marines because i did a marine ball and like this guy with atomic it seems like so a, disrespectful i know i, I know it's ridiculous. stolen valor <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes up to me and he asks for like a song, like a Rihanna song, because his daughter like wanted it. And he, like this this guy that literally could like change the whole face of the earth, his daughter had him by the balls. And me playing Rihanna saved him. So like, you know, this Sergeant Major's like soldier. And I'm like, ah, I'm just playing Rihanna. So like, I realized that DJing and anything to do with weddings or, or funerals, in fact, are, are just cheating. Like, you know, if you could do it on your own, but like being a wedding DJ, I, I know plenty of friends in, in, in touring bands that absolutely do not make the same kind of money that I would make a gig. It's it's absolutely no. sad. I mean, play huge, huge festivals. Meanwhile, I'm playing Earth, Wind, and Fire. Everybody in, at that bar mitzvah thinks I wrote that song and I'm performing it right now, and, and I'm making more than the guys in Anthrax, probably. <laughs> maybe well, maybe the, not Scott Ian. Well, the 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 wedding thing is like just a big trick, right? In that anything. You take like a normal price. You're like, oh, I want um, I want this dress. It's like, okay, that dress is a thousand dollars, but that same dress is a wedding dress now. It's five thousand dollars, right? Oh yeah. DJ, it's like, oh, I need you to DJ this party. Okay, I'm gonna charge you, you know, fifteen hundred to do that. Oh, you want to DJ a wedding? That's me ten thousand dollars. Like, it's the same shit. You just put wedding on it, 
all of a sudden it costs 10 times as much. Well, do you know the difference between a $1,000 DJ and a $10,000 DJ? I just said it, wedding. <laughs> no, one just asked for it. Oh, yeah. You just asked $10,000, please. It doesn't have to even be for a wedding. You could be like, I used to open for Avicii. Boom. There you go. There you go. Just, or, or you go, I'm a dead mouse. And it's like, no one knows what he looks like. It's just show up with the, just get the, the helmet. <laughs> Boom. You're dead mouse, right? And now he might sue you or he might get a cease and desist, but it might take a while for people to figure out. Or you just like change one of the, the, the letters, you know, dead mouse, you know, maybe I had an extra <laughs> yeah. Z or something on there and boom. Just spell it, just spell it correctly. Cause I think it, he uses a five or something. There so you go. Dead mouse. There you go. There you go. I actually just came up with the best idea for like a cover slash tribute band. Um, and I, I haven't figured out the name of it yet. I, I don't know if I'm gonna call it Black Creed or uh, was it Creedence Clear Blackwater Revival? Anyway. I'm going to dress up like Apollo Creed and then I'm going to sing Creed songs. <laughs> <laughs> you do it with half of Metallica in your band? Because that would be even cooler. No, no, no. This is, though, this is my venture. All right. It's a solo I, project. Listen, I got a good grunge voice, like Jarl voice. So I think I would, I think I would crush it. But I think this would be huge. All right. You know. I'll I don't think you guys that, think it'll be. I'll huge, open but... it I, with arms wide open. And I'll accept you, Doc. Yeah, but I'll come out. I'll come out to the uh, living in America and go right into his fucking heavy ass Creed song. Would be sick. But anyway, yeah, I have a lot I'll of dumb ideas. That. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh, I think our most recent idea on the tour bus at like three a.m. was like, let's put together a band that's Motley Crue in the style of Garth Brooks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. I don't know whose idea this was, but somehow we rolled with it for a while and it almost became a thing. It's funny <laughs> you say that because uh, I was, I was going to say, because Corey and I, we actually were on the Thunder Rolls, the, the Garth Brooks cover from All, uh, all That Remains with all, Ollie Herbert. They, they called us up when they were doing it because Ollie needed to put like better guitar parts on it. So Corey and I just worked on it. So and then you said it just rolls. So we did the Thunder Rolls in the style of All That Remains but it's a Garth Brooks song, so there's that. Well, I figure like with that, so have you guys ever heard of Metalachi? Mm-mm. So no. it's like a, I think it's a, an LA band or a California band, but it's just like a Mexican mariachi band, but they do all <laughs> rock and metal songs. They do like Bon Jovi and they do Motley Crue. But is it in the style of mariachi? Yeah, and they're That's sick. amazing. That's And they they um, have like a, I, I think like a fiddle player, whatever it does all the, the solos. Yeah. And Damn. just shreds. On I want to hear it. Yeah, I want to listen. They're amazing. Awesome. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, but I figure if you're gonna do like the country kind of version of that, you know, it's just you just need the one lead person that can kind of sing and kind of pull it off and pull off the vibe. But and once you get that, it all it'll all fall into place. You know what? That motherfucker probably exists in Nashville already. There's so many great cover bands, sure. and <laughs> you know, it's got it has to exist in Nashville, right? I think everything exists in Nashville. There you go. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> there you go. I had another question for you guys. Um, considering what the, you know, the show, your guys' podcast is is based on this kind of hardship we went through. How, do you guys personally feel like you're a different person now than you were were kind of before the pandemic, and especially like how that's affected how you approach your career or you know, the way we write, like how we put out music, how we tour, like, like how is this whole experience of the pandemic? And then also speaking to all these people are giving you their 
kind of stories with that. How has that kind of affected you? You have you you doing all right after the pandemic? How you feeling? <laughs> Who wants one to go at a time? Whoever wants to jump in. Ladies first. Ladies first. Okay. I mean, absolutely. And I've had other people ask me this. And um, I mean, for so many reasons. Um, Yeah, definitely the conversations we've had. Like, you know, my perspective is coming from the schooled world of classical music and being told, okay, you have to do things this way and you have to have a degree for something to be relevant. And I think having talked to all the people we've talked to in the show and learning about all their backgrounds and some of the stuff they've went through and like carving their own paths you know, in face of adversity and without having gone to school for music or certain things and, you know, having people not believe in them. I think, yeah, it totally gave me a refreshed perspective on my career and how things are okay to do, even if you didn't go to school for it, you know? So it really encouraged me to learn a lot about recording and taking risks in the way I play music and not just following the rules all the time. So you know, in a nutshell, I would say that's kind of how it's changed my perspective, made me a lot more, I think, optimistic. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a hard time to go through the pandemic. But I think the fact that we got to talk to all these people and hear their stories helped a lot. Do you feel like it's back to considering you're back on the road and with Star said, is it kind of back to business as usual? For the most part, yeah. I mean, the first tour we went back, it was still a little bit depending on the region, you might have experienced this too, like certain places that we played, you know, when we came back for the first time, like some regions, it was like half the amount of people showed up as usual because of different mandates. And then other places it was like unaffected. And now it really feels like since there are way less restrictions, it's, it's pretty much back to normal. But I think people have a renewed like passion for going to concerts just because it's been gone for so long. I'm I'm sure almost everyone experienced that, you know, it's just being back, you know, for real. It's like people are way more wild about music, I think, than they were before. Sure. Anyone else to chime in? No, I know. I know my takeaway from from everything we've been doing. Uh, you know, when we started, uh, you know, our first few guests were people that were kind of directly involved with Lost Symphony because we had that connection from the work we were doing. So it was cool. First off, just to talk to people that we had only known through their playing for the most part. You know, a few emails went back and forth, but to actually like dive into like, oh, you know. Uh, you know, one of the guys like Richard Shaw, uh, formerly of Cradle of Filth, but he was one of the first guys that that I didn't know prior to the Lost Symphony project. Then we get to talk to him for like two hours in the podcast. And I'm like, this guy's the man. And, you know, I would never think that this like guitarist from Cradle of Filth, he's talking about his musical theater background and like all these things. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I'm like, this could actually be kind of cool to find out more about people that you only get to hear 16 bars of notes to get to know them a lot of times. So for me, it, it was cool to get a little bit more depth in in meeting people that are doing what i want to do with my life and playing music and recording and touring and all that stuff so it reaffirmed a lot of things you know in terms of following you know once you hear you know we've got 155 episodes out right now and hearing the common threads of how these people found success and how often it was because they persisted through failure until mm-hmm. that opportunity came up. It's one of those things where, you know, you, you, you sound at this point, everyone's like, oh, you just, you know, you got to give 110% and all like, there's a lot of platitudes that, that a lot of self-help people have, but hearing the full stories from these people that are doing, uh, you know, these jobs at the highest level and being very successful and hearing how important those, you know, sometimes cliches actually are, if you, if you dive deep has been the biggest thing for me and just like reaffirming that, okay, that's that is the right mindset to have you know no matter what you're doing as long as you're going in the right direction and uh, you know seeing how just being ready for that opportunity can be what takes you to the next level or take you in a completely different direction than you thought you'd be going six months ago 
I mean, I, I, I'm with Corey on this. It's it, it, it's been an honor because the thing is, you know, COVID was a scary thing. I know you felt this talk and everyone in, in any kind of entertainment. I, I like, for example, as a DJ, I, I had an agency I was working with and I had just spent like 50 grand of money I had raised to start a DJ business to spend like, you know, 10 grand to advertise and all that. Like all this money was gone. And then it was like, oh, and COVID. I'm like, oh my God. And like everything I, you know, you think as a DJ, like that's a, that's a strong business. Like people are always going to party and they're always going to have weddings and they're all, and then I'm like, I'm not going to make any money next month. And then as a musician too, it's like, okay, well, the other things that I would normally be able to do, I can't do any of those things. It was, it was really a scary experience. And the thing is, so when we're talking about people on our show, it, it so for example, to give you some, some things that have happened on our show, we had Miles Kennedy. Uh, from Alter Bridge and, you know, sings with Slash. Talk about how he literally got into Led Zeppelin, into the band. Like when when, when Robert Plant was not having it, they, they were going to hire Miles Kennedy. He told us on the show, and I'm thinking to myself, and he thanked us for coming on. Like he was a genuinely awesome dude. And I remember like calling uh, the, our buddy Steve Wood, who was another amazing guest of ours, and be like, I can't even believe how amazing that was. And Miles had just come off Rick Be uh, Beato. And he called back Steve, who had suggested him coming on the show. He was like, these guys are great. And I'm like, Miles Kennedy, the guy that got into to, to, to Led Zeppelin. And then we had Steve Wood, the guy who got him on, who's, who manages, again, like Godsmack. He manages um, Johnny Depp, uh, works at Shelter Music. And he told us about being the, the tour manager for Soundgarden the night they broke up. Told us everything. Like, everything. And I'm like, are you... You're going to tell me everything... Like, details to the point where Corey and I are like, can we even put this on? <laughs> and like, I, I couldn't believe that like more people didn't talk about it, like a blabbermouth or whatever. And same thing with like David Abruzzese. Like we had him on and like, I've always wondered like what happened with Pearl Jam? And he talks about like, literally, you know, they hit number one and like Eddie Vedder was like all bummed out and like all some crazy, just crazy stuff. Even touring with you too. And that like, uh, you know, the bass player would leave and then his tech would just go stand in for him and no one would know and just take the stand. Oh, he was friends with Axl Rose for five years of Chinese democracy. And Axl said, take the ship of Guns N' Roses. I didn't freaking know that. I learned that going into my studio, signing on to a Zoom for 2020 mm -hmm. to talk to a legend that I had no business knocking to. And it's all been like a selfish thing for me. So like, what's the future? I, I want to keep getting people above my pay grade to tell <laughs> me how they got further in life than I've ever even fathomed. And... <laughs> That's what, so how have I changed? I've realized that I should just continue down this path of maniacal craziness with music versus doing anything that will help pay off my mortgage because uh, everyone on my show, like on our show, has been successful by just going and doing it. Uh, just not me yet. Well, <laughs> but on top of that, it's been like an education. I mean, I think for all of us, but especially me having come from a totally different world. I mean, this has been like a course in music history for me from the people that built it. You know, and that informs the way that you play. It informs the way that you record. It informs how you interact with other people. And, you know, I feel like in the back of my mind, I take all those stories with me, you know, when I'm playing with Starset or something else, or when I'm thinking about like, oh, what can I do? Who can I think back to that that made a comment or a suggestion of how to approach something that I can like take into a project that I'm doing now? Give us a guest. Give us a guest because they don't know who's been on our show. Like, that's the thing I'm most proud of as a Jewish mother is, is all the freaking you're, guests you're we've had because they're so above our it's really great because we say, oh, we've had guests, but it's like it, when, I, when I go back and think about who we've talked to, it's it's incredulous. Like, I am so honored. Like, 
again, to have someone like Mark Tremonti take two hours and then share like he, his ability to write songs and like basically write riffs and then put them together. Like he has a whole system. He shared it with us. Like he shared the way that he wrote those Creed songs, the way he wrote all those Tremonti songs, those Alderbridge songs and how he, and it was like this code. And, and, and he, he took the time. And again, after he got off, like he seemed happy to talk to us for two hours. Like we can't even believe people will stay on with us that long, that long. It's crazy. Well, I can identify with all that because we've shared quite, quite <laughs> many guests. He's like, yo, he told me that. I'm like, I'm like, he told me that too. <laughs> yeah. The, pod, the podcast world is a bit incestuous in that way. Yeah. It is. It is. These, you, know, you, know, you know how these publicists do? They're just they're going, they're coming after us like, like uh, headhunters. But that's because you're a great podcast host, you know, and it's having been on the sidelines of seeing like these short form radio interviews, which I'm sure you're familiar with too. It's like, yeah, it's you don't always get those stories because it just depends on the perspective of the person that's asking. You know, what's fun for me is I didn't really grow up listening to a lot of the people that we interview. I know Ben and Corey are like fans of a lot of the people that we talk to. But for me, I'm approaching them as just humans. Right. Like, how did you grow up? Like, how did you learn about music? And I, I kind of like to go into things not knowing anything because I like, you know, my interest is in pulling out that sort of human element that sort of transcends what they do professionally. And I think having the three different perspectives of the three of us kind of kind of works. And maybe that's why it's more fun for some people, you know, it's it's unusual. So how does this all factor into the music side of it? Uh, do you guys have, is it just kind of, is the train rolling more music, more podcasts, the, the, the unit? Is this just moving to the moving towards the future together with some cool ideas? What's going on musically? Who wants well, we're to working. Go on, I was gonna say, <laughs> so with Lost Symphony, um, each album's been kind of a progression. And so, you know, you said, how long has it been going on? Like the song "Leave Well Enough Alone," which is the archetype for this, for this, uh, for for our band. And by archetype, I mean it's what what we sent around to all the people at the beginning to be like, "Do you think we're pretty? Do you want to play with us?" Like that's that's what we sent around. That song was written twenty five years ago. I was 14 years old, literally started writing. I recorded it 25 years ago with my brother. So we've been, when I say like we worked on this for a long time, before I even met Siobhan, we've been working on it for three or four years. And we're like, oh yeah, we've been programming strings. And Siobhan's like, all, all these string parts are all wrong. And we're like, oh. And <laughs> next thing we know, like the idea of having an orchestra is Siobhan. So we've kind of progressed. So this new song that we're doing, you know, it's hard We've released three full records. So the next song that we're doing, I guess the the inspiration for the for it's kind of like the overture from Tommy from The Who. In that, like when you listen to that nine and a half minute song, it's kind of like all the different themes um, for the different songs. Here's a little bit of Pinball Wizard. Here's a little bit of Go to the Mirror. Um, that's kind of what I, I I did this time. Instead of like trying to get you know this grandiose thing, I was like, why don't we just put together this super tune and you know, I was lucky enough that on 2020, we met Susanna, the um, the other, uh, the, the cellist from Starset, and then Marco, who was in Starset, but also plays for like the Raiders home team. She was playing with Adele. She played with Madonna, like absolutely ridiculous level cellist. We're like, will you play with us? We're like, yeah. So next thing we know, we have a string section. And then we're recording Shannon Larkin and, and the Apocalypse Blues revival. And then next thing you know, like, 
we meet these brass players like this. Here's an unbelievable trombone player. I've always wanted to meet a trombone player because I love like Batman and like all that, like all that evil sounding. That's a trombone. That's a badass metal instrument. So like no metal band has a trombone player. So this is like, the longest digression I've ever heard. We're recording that on Monday. So like what, <laughs> the new Lost Symphony song is going to be more of like a, a we've we've leveraged our strength. We've met all these incredible musicians, and now where it was more of like I guess a metal thing, it's it's. Would you would, did you call it Broadway, Siobhan? Like how would you describe what we're doing it's a, now? Yeah, it's a fusion of different things. I mean, well, to, the short form answer to your question is yes, more music at the moment. <laughs> I guess I would say we're working on a single, but not a single in the radio sense. <laughs> it's, it's really like a, you know, what, a 12, 13 minute song that is kind of like an overture, you know, almost multiple songs in one, uh, kind of showcasing all the different things, the strengths that we've built up over the years. So um, yeah, it's it's got some Broadway elements. It's symphonic, it's, you know, rock, it's metal. It's got a little bit of everything like Lost Symphony does. Yeah, and the podcast and the, and the band, while the, they're, they're always going to be tied together just because of of us being in the project. They kind of are running along two parallel tracks. So we we do have like a you know primary focus on the podcast at time, primary focus on the band. Um, but there, whereas we started this show out talking to people from Lost Symphony and uh, and always kind of being like this was our way to stay in the music world during the pandemic. Now that we've kind of the show's evolved into this space where we're really just a show that looks at these careers of successful people there's a little bit more of a split in that sense so we are breaking them away just a little bit uh, but they're still running right across from each other so we're when we're not working on one we're working on the other and it's it's it gives us a good kind of break to bounce back and forth as well yeah and i mean listen instrumental music is hard you know music without vocals music that is over three and a half four minutes is hard you know so i think we're still in the process of figuring out like, you know, who is our target audience and, you know, of course, making music that we love, that's what we're always going to do, but figuring out how to make the most of that too, because you, you do have to navigate it in a sense of like, how do we make this successful? Cause of course that's what we want. Um, so, you know, figuring that out is also in the plan. So it's just a, a work in progress. Do you think you'd ever do a song with a singer? I mean, I'm open to anything, but I guess as a collective, it's up to the group decision. Well, it's funny because we we did some um, charities for metal injection over um, over COVID, and you know we we did Lost Symphony, but we we always slay, had it, slay at home, slay at home, festival, slay at home, yeah, slay at home. Um, but everything we've done so far has been like a a cover, but it's been with like all all and again cherry pick people that I think are amazing. I sound again like my kid's the greatest at school, but like we did Bark at the Moon. Um, with like Joey Concepcion, who's an incredible guitarist. Uh, he plays with Josta and Joey. uh Dark, yeah, Dark Tranquility. He's an absolute maniac. Uh, but you know, we got uh Scott Levesque from a band called Wheat from back in the 90s to sing on that. But then we did uh Gates to Babylon, a rainbow song, and we got uh David Abruziz from we we had him on the show. We we're like, hey, you want to play some uh some Dio? Sure. It's on a song with us. So, and then I think we did uh, Mean Street for Van Halen. We did a few different covers, I guess, during COVID to kind of see if we were still alive. And we got different singers. So it's not like it's out of the question. But so far on a record, there's been no singing. But I, I, I think if we could get Bruce Dickinson or, um, you know, someone like that, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'd think about it. Setting the bar low, huh? Yeah. 
<laughs> Always. I didn't say Blaze Bailey. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Not He's actually go amazing. There. Just not an Iron Man. Just not an Iron Maiden. He's amazing. Just I just didn't like it in Iron Maiden like everybody else. It's like Gary Sharon and Van Halen. Like I love Gary Sharon. I think he's like one of my favorite singers and one of my favorite people. But like, yeah, he got screwed in Van Halen because, like, you know, it's a tough. It's a tough job. It's a tough job. Well, listen, y'all. I think uh, we've covered all the stuff I want to cover because um, really, this you know show for me is about just introducing what you all do to the X Men audience because you know me and Benny have been talking. We're, you know, we're gonna do some stuff with you guys over the next few months, and I'm I'm looking forward. Uh, to having you a part of some of the stuff we're doing on, on, on the X-Man, but I really appreciate you all taking time out of your day. Is there anything to promote? Is there anything you guys want to talk about coming up that people should check out? I thought you were going to tell us how to run a podcast. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done one in like five weeks. So usually my first one back, I'm a little stuttery. I'm a little, 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 I'm not, not my sharpest. So that, you know, no, you're Hopefully. great. That's what we have been for to fill all the dead space, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he has words for day. Yeah, so stuff to check out if you guys haven't heard 2020, it's 2020-d.com and you can get it, like consume it however you consume it, whether it's watching it on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or all that stuff. Um, LostSymphony.com will get you to kind of all the stuff we've done. And just, I guess, to go over it, like, you know, we, we've been really fortunate. We got to do songs with everybody from like Jeff Loomis and Marty Friedman, uh, Nuno Betancourt, uh, David Ellison. I mean, one of the, the things that made it again, easier to to get some of these crazy players. Like, you know, we got David Elson to play on songs with Marty Friedman, which I believe is, you know, the first time that those guys played together in over two decades. Wow. Um, was, was when Ollie left us, it was one of those things where it was like, we talked about this all the time. It's like, what? well, what if we did get Marty Friedman and Nuno on a song with Alex Skolnick? And then I, when he left us, I was like, okay, challenge accepted, Ollie. And that's what we did for Take Another Piece. We got Nuno, Marty Friedman, and Alex Skolnick. And I I knew that Ollie, wherever he was, would be smiling. So, you know, when he left us, we kind of started, you know, making it as much for us, but also for him. Is there a song I, I should play on, on the show that you guys, that's new-ish, that you want to show the people? Take Another Piece might be a good example. Yeah, Take Another Piece is probably the one yeah. there you go. I'd play. And then I'm, I'm the, the neurotic guitarist. You have to come on to my uh, my YouTube channel, but the neuroticguitarist.com. I, I review the 170 guitars or so I have here, and I go interview people and have fun with guitar stuff. So how when, many guitars you come, do you have? I it's think insane. I'm actually over 170 stringed instruments at this point. Okay. Well, I know how you're gonna pay you that mortgage. All right, we need to start moving some units around here. All right. <laughs> Every time I post anything on Craigslist, I get like messages from people like, "Wait a minute." Is that is that a guitar store or is that your? I'm like, oh shit! I should probably not put my location. Probably don't put your <laughs> yeah, address. Yeah, don't do that. Don't yeah, do that. no. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was so much thank fun. You, man. Thank and, you, uh, thank you. Of course, of course. Yeah, check them out. Support Lost Symphony 2020. Y'all be good. We'll be seeing y'all soon. Take care. All right, care. you too. Thanks, Doc. Bye.
So you just heard Take Another Piece from Lost Symphony from their Chapter 3 album, which came out in 2021. And that track features Marty Friedman, Nuno Bentoncourt, Alex Kolnick, and Richard Shaw. So nothing but heavy hitters on that one. And I really enjoyed that. I felt like that was like Bill and Ted, the band, you know, just... Every, every part was the most triumphant part until the next part, which was equally mostly triumphant. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to uh, check them out, uh, go to their website. I think it's uh, lostsymphony.com, something like that. I got it up here. I lost the website. Anyway, <laughs> look it up. Lost Symphony, easy to find. The Google, you guys can do it. And uh, the, their podcast, uh, it's 2020-D.com. And uh, check their show out, man. They they do have a ton of great guests. And we do share some guests. But, you know, I'm sure they ask completely different questions than me. You know, going a whole different different world. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be doing some stuff with them uh, over the next few months. Maybe some, like, guest stuff. Maybe we'll do some little, little pop-in. I don't know. We're, we're, we're trying to figure, figure it out. Um, but uh, Corey... Benny, Siobhan, thank you so much for being on the show. That was that was a lot of fun. And I hope you guys, you know, learn something. That's what it's all about, baby. Learn a little bit. All right. It's about it's past one here. I always, for some reason, this show, I always start this late and then I end up working late. And that's how it is. But I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna wait till next week. I'm gonna get the show out this week. So it's, it's gonna come out Thursday, a little weird, but whatever. Sometimes you're like, okay, so maybe. A lot of podcasts come out early in the week. Maybe might come out late in the week. That's all right. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a busy week. I'm going to multiple shows. I'm going to see Rammstein on Friday, Iron Maiden and Trivium on Sunday. And there's a bunch of shows coming up. Meshuggah and In Flames is coming up. It sucks. Lamb of God's playing here like the day I think we fly out or the day after we fly out. So going to miss some shows, but I got to try and go out. My, I, you know, my, I wrecked my car before I left for tour. So I've been kind of stranded <laughs> trying to see if I can get this damn thing fixed. Sucks guys. Sucks not having a car. So I feel like I'm, I'm a little uh, all over the place right now, but I'm trying to wrap it up you know, the, to the, to the best of my ability. But thanks for joining me once again. I love all of you. And, uh, more more shows to come all right it's only it's only uphill from here all right love y'all be good mama's out Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.